Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. to start. I have so many questions. I... Shall we sit first? Oh, yes, of course. The eastern slums. Hmm. Many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds with their rhetoric and fiery tone. I've heard a few of them over the years myself. So you know the type. Mm-hmm. But I have never heard anyone tell a paralytic to get up and walk, much less it actually happened. So what is your conclusion? I believe you are not acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? (laughs) (laughs) Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? Have you come here to show us a kingdom? That is what our rulers are worried about. No, not that kind. Then what? A sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean like a new creature? A conversion from Gentile to Jewish? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Then what is born again? I hope you don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, may she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That part of you, that, is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? Ah, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things, huh? I'm trying, Rabbi. I know. I know. Wow. Very powerful conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. We're going to return to that later in the message this morning, but uh, we're going to be in John chapter 3, so if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to find John chapter 3 in your copy of God's Word, whether you have a Bible or a device of some kind, so you can follow along. We'll also put the Scripture up on the screen for you. Uh, But for now, let's just agree that just like Jesus met Nicodemus, Jesus meets a lot of people at the crossroads of life. We're kicking off a new teaching series today for the next five weeks leading up to Easter Sunday on on, uh, April 9th, Sunday, April 9th, simply entitled Meeting Jesus at the Crossroads of Life. And over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at five different stories in the Gospels about where Jesus personally and powerfully met someone at the crossroads of life. Uh, Two specific things we're going to see throughout all of these messages that kind of bind them together are these two things. First of which is this, Jesus meets people right where they are. Uh, You don't have to travel a thousand miles to go meet Jesus. Uh, you, You don't have to improve your moral station in life before you can meet Jesus. Jesus will meet you right where you are. We're going to see that 
over the next five weeks. Second of all, Jesus can do more in your life in a moment than anybody can manufacture in a lifetime. That's what we're going to see. Now, today, again, we're going to look at this story of Jesus and this Jewish leader, Nicodemus. And the first thing we're going to see is the fact that Jesus brought an honest question, excuse me, Nicodemus brought an honest question to Jesus. Nicodemus brought an honest question to Jesus. And we're going to first read the first two verses of John chapter 3. Let's read together. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these, things, these signs that you do unless God is with him. So we see Jesus and we see Nicodemus. Now, who, who was Nicodemus anyway? Well, first of all, we see right in the Scripture that he was a Pharisee. Uh, the Pharisees were a group of Jews in those days who were experts, legal experts in the Old Testament law. Uh, they prided themselves on their ability to know and understand the law, but also to do it. There was a major emphasis on performance. In fact, when you think about Nicodemus and the Pharisees, the two words that you come to mind are performance-oriented. Performance-oriented. Doing and laboring and toiling to, to execute and, and, and do all of what God said in his law. That was their thing. Scholars tell us there were probably about 6,000 Pharisees alive in the first century uh, when Jesus was, was alive. So in other words, we're not talking about just a very small group of folk, uh, but there was a number of these Pharisees. Now, Nicodemus was also described as a ruler of the Jews. Uh, specifically what that means, he was a member of the council, the council of elders known as the Jewish Sanhedrin. And those guys were kind of like, in modern terms, they would be a combination of a United States senator and a Supreme Court judge all rolled into one. Kind of a big thing. They were typically aristocratic. They were from wealthy families, uh, very prominent. There were only 71 members of the council at any given time in Israel in those days. So we're talking now about a relatively small group of folks in the first century. Uh, in other words, for, for Nicodemus... He could, he could literally walk into a room and say, I'm kind of a big deal. And from an earthly perspective, there was no reason to believe that Nicodemus was not trusting in his ability and in his works and in his goodness in carrying out God's commands. By the way, let's remind ourselves that, that there was a little bit of friction between Jesus and the Pharisees, right? I mean, most of you know that from the Gospels. Let's remind ourselves, Matthew chapter 9 Listen to what the Pharisees said about Jesus on this occasion. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to Jesus. And when the demon had been cast out, meaning Jesus had cast out the demon, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he casts out demons by the prince of demons. In other words, the Pharisees are basically saying, Jesus is in league with the devil. Not exactly a sympathetic take on Jesus. On the other hand, the Pharisees being hypocrites, Jesus didn't, didn't hesitate to call them out. He, he didn't hesitate to point out where they were blatantly hypocritical. For example, Matthew 23, this is what Jesus said, Woe to you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like the whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. 
So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now here's the thing you've got to think about. In spite of this friction, in spite of this tension between the Pharisees and Jesus, something in Jesus' life and ministry captured Nicodemus' attention. And, and Nicodemus came to Jesus and he said, you've got to be from God. Nobody can do what you are doing unless you have come from God. Now, that's not exactly an orthodox theological statement on who Jesus was and why he came to this earth, but I tell you, it's a far cry from calling Jesus being in league with the devil, right? So there's something honest going on in Nicodemus's heart where he wants to know. Now, in the Bible, specifically in verses 1 and 2, what he says is a statement, but really it's, it's in the form of a question, in a sense, because what Nicodemus is really saying as he comes to Jesus by night is this, who are you? Who, who are you, Jesus? Who really are you? That's a question. But what we need to decide and determine based on what Nicodemus is saying is this. Is Nicodemus's question an honest question or a dishonest question? An honest question or a dishonest question? You say, Phil, what's the difference? Well, an honest question goes something like this. Jesus, I'm not really sure who you are. I know God is at work somehow in your life, but I really don't know who you are. But I want to know. I mean, if you truly are who you say you are, I want to know if it's true or not. I want to know. That's an honest question, right? A dishonest question goes something like this. Jesus, I've got some serious doubts about you and about who you say you are, but even if you are the Son of God, I wouldn't want to know. I don't just, la, 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 I don't want to know, right? That's a dishonest question. Well, how do you determine the difference, Phil? Well, you apply what I call the John 7, verse 17 principle. John 7, verse 17 says this. Look at this, powerful verse. Anyone, this is Jesus talking now. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether or not my teaching is from God. He goes to motive. And with Jesus, motive means a great deal, right? Because a dishonest person doesn't want to know. I mean, if Jesus is really the Son of God, they don't want to know anyway. But an honest person with an honest question says, Jesus, I, want, I truly want to know if you are legit. And if you are, then I will follow you and I will bow down to you. So that's what's going on. I personally believe Nicodemus was bringing an honest question to Jesus. And you know what happens when you bring an honest question to Jesus? You get an honest answer, right? Time and time again in the Bible, we see the Pharisees came and they, they were sharpshooting Jesus, they were, they, they, they were criticizing Jesus, and even when they asked a question, they were all dishonest. But here was one Pharisee out of thousands who came with an honest question. And when you ask Jesus an honest question, you get an honest answer from Jesus. Let's pick up in verse 3 and following. <coughs> Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, 
Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven. That, that is the Son of Man. And so Jesus answers an honest question with an honest answer. And he basically says, you must be born again. And obviously Nicodemus, who, who probably had a tendency to overthink things, said, what do you mean born again? We obviously understand that Jesus was talking about a new beginning. But not a new beginning in terms of just turning over a new leaf, but a new beginning of spiritual transformation through the Holy Spirit based on faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that, that's what he was talking about. Now, Nicodemus had a hard time getting his mind wrapped around that. We sometimes get distracted by some things in this passage. For example, when, when Jesus said, you must be born of water and the Spirit... Many times people assume that water refers to baptism. Some, somehow you need to be baptized before this can happen. Uh, but, but, but the truth of the matter is, in the New Testament, baptism is never a picture of birth. It's, it's a picture of death. So he certainly can't be talking about baptism. Or some people say, well, you know, maybe he's talking about physical, when he, when he talks about being born of water, he's talking about physical birth. Because you know, Phil, sometimes there's a lot of water connected with a, a, a physical birth, right? I mean, I've, I've attended a few births myself, I've got five kids, in some of those cases, yes, it seemed like there was a lot of water. But that, that's not what he's talking about either. See, there's a reason why Jesus kind of scolds Nicodemus a little bit and says, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't even understand this? In other words, what he's saying is, haven't you read your Bible? What does the Bible say? And, and I, I guarantee you what Jesus had in mind, among other things, was a passage in Ezekiel chapter 33. Let's put it up there. Ezekiel 33, excuse me, Ezekiel 36 talking about the water and the Spirit. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you should be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you. There's a synonymous quality there, the, the water and, and, and the Spirit of God. That's why Jesus said, he who is born of the flesh is flesh, meaning your physical birth. He who is born spiritually of, of, the, of the Spirit is of the Spirit. Right? And of course, Nicodemus is, I mean, listen, he, he's like, man, I, just, I have a hard time understanding what you're saying, Jesus. But nevertheless, Nicodemus heard Jesus talk about this honest answer, and Jesus then said, well, check it out, dude. I mean, it's, it's like the wind. You, you don't understand everything about the wind. You don't even see the wind, but, but you see its effects, and, and there's, there's something you, you take by faith that the wind is there. See, you don't have to have everything figured out, Nicodemus. Stop overthinking this, brother. Let's just, let's get down to the simplicity of what I'm telling you. In modern terms, he might have said something like this. Look, Nicodemus, you don't totally understand the qualities of saliva and digestive enzymes. You don't fully understand the, the muscular functions that move your food from your mouth down to your stomach and into your intestines and, and ultimately nourish your cells and all of that. But go ahead and just eat the sandwich, man. I mean, you, you don't have to understand everything. Just take a bite of the sandwich and enjoy it for what it is. Or, or how about electricity? Listen, how many of us truly understand how electricity works? Not this guy. I don't understand how light bulbs work. 
and, and all the little functions of how the electricity gets from the power plant into my house and, 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 and gets the light going and the filament and the, the glass and all the little things. But I'll tell you this, I'm not going to sit in the dark until I do. I'm going to go over and flip the light switch on and enjoy, just, just in simple faith, enjoy what's been provided for me to have those lights on. And if, if Nicodemus was still questioning, Jesus says, here's the deal, man. I, I, I'm telling you this because I know what I'm talking about. I mean, not only have I seen it, I've been there. Look in verse 11. Jesus said, I have seen this. Reminds me of John chapter 1, verse 18. Look at this on the screen. John chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Jesus says, I'm speaking from authority here, brother. Oh, and by the way, look in verse 13. Not only have I seen this, I've been there. I have been there. Reminds me of verse 51 of John chapter 1. Look at this. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So here's this, here's this honest question that's coming to Jesus. Jesus gives an honest answer about the simplicity of being born again and putting faith and trust in Christ. And I can just imagine Jesus saying something like this. Nicodemus, you know I'm from God. You know it. You know I'm from God. Stop overthinking this, Nicodemus. You have brought me an honest question. I have given you an honest answer. Now, what's your next step? Just like we say at Crossgate. What, Nicodemus, what, what is your next step? How do we know that Jesus said this? Well, look in verses 14 and 15 of John chapter 3. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So Jesus reaches back into the Old Testament and pulls in a story that was very well known in that day. Maybe you're familiar with it as well. If not, I'll put it up there. It's from Numbers chapter 21. Look at this. The people had rebelled against God. They had sinned, and this is what happened. The, speakers, the, the, the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food, meaning the manna that God had provided for them. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And then this is what happened. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. So this story reminds us, one, that the wages of sin is death. Those serpents came into the camp and bit the people, and that venom that was coursing through their veins did the same thing to them that sin does to this day. The wages of sin is death, and yet God provided a way. And Moses put this, this, this metal, this bronze serpent on this pole. By the way, those of you in the medical community are very familiar with this imagery because it's the imagery of the medical community, a snake on a pole. And, and this, this provision was made, and God said, you don't have to do 10,000 religious things works you don't have to do this you don't have to do that just look and live look 
and live. Look and live. And everyone who did that was healed. And then you notice in John chapter 3, at the very end, when Jesus references this story, he says, and everyone who puts their faith and believes in the Son of Man shall receive eternal life. Now, up to this point, this, this conversation is going back and forth, and there's a lot of uh, you know, misunderstanding and, 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 and just uh, perplexity on the part of, of Nicodemus. But I truly believe when Jesus mentioned the story of the serpent on the pole, a light went on in Nicodemus's head and in his mind. A light went on. But the first thing that filled his heart as he thought about this, this basic premise of look and live, place your faith in Jesus Christ, the, I guarantee you, the thought that immediately opened his heart and entered into his heart was this. Is it really that simple? I mean, it can't, it can't be that. Is it really that simple? You see, you've got to understand something about Nicodemus the Pharisee. For his entire life, his life had been immersed in rules and rituals and laws and theological overthink and rules and ritual and laws and theological overthink and rules and rituals and laws and theological overthink and it was so burdensome but when he when he heard the story of the servant and jesus said put your faith in the son of man that's it that's all you do all of that other stuff just melted away you say phil how do you know that that came into nicodemus's heart i'll tell you because when I first heard the gospel clearly presented to me when I was 17 years old, that's the first thought I had as well. I grew up going to church, but the church that I, was att that I attended was all about tradition and, and rules and keeping this and observing and doing and, and all these burdensome things. And I thought through all of that, somehow, there was a way to God. But when someone sat down and explained to me the gospel simply, sweetly, sublimely put your faith in jesus christ we're not saved by works we're saved by god's grace through faith that's it i immediately said it can't be that simple it can't be so simple and just like nicodemus when i trusted jesus christ as my savior and i was born again all of that stuff all that religion and religiosity just melted away Let's go back to Jesus and Nicodemus. Let, let's, let's take a look at the conversation as it concludes. Is, is this... Is the kingdom of God really coming? What does your heart tell you? My heart is swollen with fear and, and wonder. Could tell me nothing except that I am standing on holy ground. <laughs> holy roof, <laughs> I do hope you come with us, Nicodemus. You say, Pastor Phil, is it just that simple? Yes. Praise God, it is just that simple. Faith in Jesus Christ. Which, by the way, speaking of simplicity, I hope you notice that the most famous verse in the entire Bible comes right after those verses we just read. 
John 3.16, many of you know this by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's just that simple. Speaking of simplicities, here's another simplicity that I think you need to understand. If you're born once, you'll die twice. If you're born twice, you'll die once. What does that mean? Well, first of all, everyone is born once. Were you born? Just nod your head. Yes, you were. You were born. You're here. You were born. You might not remember it, but you were born. Trust me. Everybody is born once. But according to Jesus, only those who put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord experience the new birth or are born twice. Those are the only people who are born twice. Now, everybody dies once. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it is appointed for man or woman once to die, and after this comes the judgment. Uh, you, you have an appointment with death on the calendar at a date uh, which you do not know. Everybody dies once. But here's the good news. Anyone who is born twice only dies once. But whoever is only born once, meaning those who never experienced the new birth in Jesus Christ, die twice. You say, you better have a verse for that, Pastor. I've got a couple for you. Look at this, Revelation chapter 20. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. That's where I, that's where I talk about you, you die twice. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Born twice, die once. Born only once, and you miss Jesus, you die twice. That's not Phil Kramer's opinion. That's the word of God. So where are you with Jesus today? So many of you here would say, yes, pastor, there has been a time in my life I have trusted Jesus Christ. I know without a doubt that I'm saved. I know without a doubt that if I died today, I'd immediately be in heaven with, with Jesus. And I'm all in for Jesus on the earth. Wonderful, great, praise God. But there's some people here, as there were in the first service. If, you, if you're honest with yourself, you'd have to say, and you're honest with God, you'd have to say, you know what, I... I've never really trusted Jesus Christ personally. I mean, I've been in church and so forth, but I've just, I've never gotten my salvation settled. Uh, based either just upon your own recollection or based on your lifestyle now. I mean, in, in, in the decisions you make. I mean, any, any honest person would look at your life and say, I don't really see the fruit of salvation in their life. You say, Pastor Phil, but I've got some questions. And that's good. We're all about questions across. Jesus was all about questions. The questions you have, is the Bible really true? I mean, can I really trust the Bible? Is Jesus really the Son of God? I mean, wasn't he just a, a, a good teacher, good moral man? Was he truly God? And you've got questions. I guess my, my response to that would be, are those honest questions or are they dishonest questions? Right? I mean, are, are you saying, Jesus, if, 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 you're, if you're real, and, and if, if the Bible is truly the Word of God, if God truly exists, I would want to know. I mean, I, I seriously, legitimately would want to know. That's an honest question. I'll tell you, if, if, 
if you are willing to ask honest questions, I would ask you, if you don't know Jesus Christ personally today, I would ask you to sign your name to a statement. And I'm going to give you the statement, and then if you're willing, I would ask you to sign your name to it. Here's the statement. God, I don't know if you exist or not. God, I don't know if the Bible is your word or not. I, I don't know whether Jesus Christ is your son or not, but I want to know. And because I want to know, I'll make an honest investigation. And because it is an honest investigation, I will follow the results of that investigation wherever they lead me, regardless of the cost. If you're not saved here today, would you be, I mean, just, just honestly, would you be willing to sign your name to that statement? I'll give it to you again. God, I don't know if you exist or not. God, I don't know if the Bible is your word or not. I don't know whether Jesus Christ is your son or not, but I want to know. And because I want to know, I'll make an honest investigation. And because it is an honest investigation, I will follow the results of that investigation wherever they lead me, regardless of the cost. An honest person would sign that. And if you're one of those people who's willing to make a statement like that and sign your name to it, here's what I challenge you to do. Get a Bible, open it up to the book of John, which is the book we've been studying this morning, and, and just begin reading the book of John. And just say, God, if, if all of this is real, I want to know if it's truly real or not. Apply that John 7, verse 17 principle. If you don't have a Bible, I've got a Bible that I will personally hand you in our next steps area after this service. But that's, that's an honest investigation. And I want to pray for you, my friend. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, seek the Lord while he may be found. As Jesus told Nicodemus at the end of that conversation, blessed are all who take refuge in him. Let's pray. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.